Right now, switch your family to T-Mobile and get four lines for $25 a line with AutoPay and 5G access included on America's largest 5G network. So don't wait. Get unlimited and nationwide 5G access for the whole family for just $25 a line. Visit a T-Mobile store or T-Mobile.com today. Plus taxes and fees. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using over 50 gigs a month due to data prioritization. Video at 480p. Unlimited while on our network. Qualifying credit and full plus lines required. Capable device required for 5G. Coverage not available in some areas. Some uses may require certain features. See T-Mobile.com. How you feel about just starting the show now with with no intro? You know, I'm totally fine with just starting it with no intro. It's just we, we just, we're professionals now. This is like episode 90-something. I mean, I got a little bit of feedback. They was just like, oh, y'all don't play the music at the beginning anymore. It was like two <laughs> people that said that. Like, if it was just two people, then. Why? What were they doing? Were they like freestyling at the beginning? I know. Like, what was y'all doing <laughs> in the intro to uh, the podcast? But no, that shit's out of there. Yeah. We just start the show now. Yeah, maybe we'll throw the, the beat in at the end or something so you can still freestyle. Yeah, <laughs> Get your bars off. I took it away because I feel like we need a new intro beat. I know. I'm working on it. Yeah, I mean, producer. But <laughs> if we don't have a new intro beat, then we just don't need a fucking intro. Y'all know who we are by now. Life is Dope Podcast. I'm Graffiti. Whack. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Graffiti. I'm Davey. Work. We got another special guest in the building, or, or, or we should say we're in the building today. Straight up. So it's a special episode. My guy right here is super talented, super creative. His backstory is crazy. So I'm going to introduce y'all to Matt Oxinger. Let's make some noise. Hey. Yay, yay. Thank you. Thank you. How you feeling, brother? I'm do, doing good, man. Doing good. So for the people who don't know, just let them know a little bit about yourself. Um, I'm an artist. I've uh, been raised in Colorado. I'm originally from Utah. Uh, mixed media artist. I kind of blend uh, different genres of art and different mediums of art. And it has a kind of pushing a new genre of my own. Well, I like that mixed media artist. I like that. So if you had to skip the mixed media and say one particular element of art, like I'm a boom, what would be your bread and butter? Um, it's hard to say, man, because the two main genres I mix are, are fashion and graffiti, you know, mm. like a beautiful woman you'd see on the runway, but like all urban graffiti style, like two genres that would never clash normally. Um, and it, it ends up in a really beautiful, you know, end result. So right. I, it's hard to say. Dope, 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 dope. So I know for the viewers, if y'all want to check out some of this art around us, this is fire, man. Let's talk about your, your process when you're starting a piece. Kind of just the inspiration behind your style because it's very different. Yeah. I mean, 90, 80 to 90 percent of my art's women. I just I love the female form. It's very inspiring. So a lot of my uh, art has women in it. But I just I vibe to music, man. Travis Scott is one of my favorite artists and I'll just vibe to his music. A couple electronic artists that I like, but find some dope music. And find an original photo that inspires me. I uh, work with some really famous photographers. Um, so I'll find a photo that I like and just kind of go with the, with the vibe that it's, it's pushing me, whether, you know, from the song or from the photo. Um, I've started doing uh, portraits of, you know, different artists that inspire me a lot. Uh, Mac Miller, XXX, um, Lil Peep. There's a couple different ones that, you know, really touch my life and, you know, doesn't doesn't really matter what what people think about them it, it it's how they touch my life you know specifically i don't do it for cloud i don't do it for sales i do it because they you know their music touched my soul 
Where, 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 where? Yeah, that's real. So, so really, what what got you into art? I know, I know that we talked a little bit about it before the before the show. So, it's something that you've really just been into all of your life. Yeah, well, I mean, I I started uh, first time I did art. I was in high school, an intro into graphic design, uh, digital art, and uh, became a graphic designer. And just my graphic design looked so different than everything else out there. And uh, one of the fields I started in graphic design in was cannabis and cannabis is one of those industries where you can really push the limit to what it looks like in the different styles it doesn't necessarily need to be corporate and clean like designing for a big corporate entity so i was able to kind of push the limits for that and then um i bought a uh, little epson desktop printer back in the day and started doing uh these little desktop 12 by 18 prints and that was my first art show back in like 2008 2009 on uh, Santa Fe, rented this little space and sold out. And I, that's when I knew, you know, that I I had something, uh, something special. Dope. All right. So when I look at the art, man, I see creativity. I see. And yeah, we're we're adjusting microphones. Yeah, we, yeah, we're yeah. not gonna play. Y'all it know off. what it is, man. It's life stuff. We just do this shit on camera, you know. Yep. <laughs> but uh, I see I see creativity, but I see a hint of pain in this art. Can we talk about some of the backstory? Uh, just you as a person. Yeah, well, I mean, I uh, I was adopted when I was a couple days old. I was raised in a mixed race family, so that that kind of had some issues. Um, my adoptive parents, my dad had a lot of uh, mental health issues, so like growing up, I I had a lot of pain in my family, and uh, oh wow, I I got addicted to uh, opiates. I was addicted to heroin for a little while, and uh, just going through addiction and going through the phases and rising in my career and then falling again because of my addiction is really painful, man. Like it was. I had an article come out uh, two years ago called Roses at Rock Bottom that was talking about like some of my most beautiful pieces I created. I created when I was like hopelessly addicted to heroin and mm. running the streets. And like it's kind of been my life was like beautiful chaos. Or beautiful chaos. Wow. That's a, and that's a really it's a it's a really interesting and really tough and but also inspiring story as far as being able to recover from that. Um, what do you say? What would you say was the the first time that you tried heroin, or what was that that first point for you? I mean, it was a typical story of opiate addiction. I was in high school, and I was I grew up in a really bad part of Aurora, so I was selling drugs and running around with you know wow. kitchen crips and like this. One of my friend's dad, uh, this dude Khaki, he's like forty years old. Like he was, he just took a liking to me. So I was like sixteen year old hanging out at the Casbah selling coke and doing all this dumb stuff and. Uh, so eventually I got robbed and got jumped and uh, got put in the hospital and I had an orbital fracture on my face. So they gave me painkillers and that just that set off a chemical reaction in my head of like, mm, wow. I knew that was it for me. So I went from, that's when they, they started like, you know, taking painkillers off the streets and heroin was the only thing left. So I, I, that's when I went to heroin. Wow. Yeah. And it's crazy how that usually is the start. Or it's like, oh, you, you, something happened, something tragic, or you needed that pain med, and then you just couldn't get it anymore. Like, a lot of people I know that have that addiction, that's usually their story. Like, yep. well, shit, I came from the hospital, couldn't get that care I needed, had to get it off the streets. So, damn. I know, and it's, well, I guess, what would, what would you say that would be some of the, the misconceptions about drug addiction? Is it, because I, I think from from someone who may not know or if their family members may not have experienced it or haven't gone through it personally, they would just think, well, why not just stop? If it's, if it's, you know, causing you to, you know, lose your job or family or your, your quality of life, why not just quit? So, 
So I, I, I think that there's a perspective that people don't really understand. Yeah, like kind of break down that journey. Yeah, I mean the the big uh, discussion is is it a is it a disease or is it a choice? And I think it's a little of both. A perfect example is so my younger brother Stephen. Um, we're raised in a Mormon family. My younger brother is never smoked, never drank. No one in my family has ever smoked or drank in their life. And we were raised in the exact same household, same exact you know area, demographic, everything. But he has never used drugs or alcohol. And I went, I'm the black sheep of the family. I have a bunch of tattoos and everything like that. So um, in your DNA and just like genetically, it, it predisposes you to be more susceptible to addiction. I mean, it all starts with that first choice of to put drugs in your body. Right. But once that uh, is awoken in your genetics, I think it's much harder for someone that's more susceptible, like, you know, a family that has generations of alcoholics, it's much harder to stop. And like, it took me a long time till I was, you know, ready to hang up the hat and get clean. And it's, you know, it's, it's that's why you see all these rappers dying is like, you know, it's not very glamorous. It's not cool to, to have to hang up the hat on your art or to, to go to rehab and to make your powerless over something. Um, it's, it's hard. So you have to humble yourself. And, you know, I have a lot of friends that have died from it. I, you know, it's like an addiction to the streets. Like you, it's all, you know, sometimes. Right, right, right. Damn. So let's, let's fast forward and then rewind a little bit. So just kind of that process of recovery. Mm-hmm. Like, did it take someone to kind of give you that nudge or did you just hit that rock bottom where you're like, man, I just need to get right. I, I definitely needed a nudge. I got involved in the criminal justice system. Um, oh, wow. was on probation for a couple of years and then couldn't, you know, I couldn't complete probation cause I couldn't drop a clean UA cause I needed help and, uh, got put in this program called is drug court. It's called recovery court in Arapahoe County. Um, so I got put in that court and that's not like normal probation, normal probation. You drop some dirty UAs, they're going to violate you and you're going to go back to jail. And Mm. you know, it's a revolving door, but drug court and recovery court, they let you, uh, they, uh, they realize you're an addict and you're going to have some dirty UAs and they work with you and they have funding from the state to put you in sober living and to get you that treatment so you can begin to recover. So that was the big step was getting in that program. Right. And so, like, what, did that take somebody to be like, you got to get in this program and put you in this program? Oh, yeah, they don't give you a choice. They, yeah, yeah. They, it's cool. It's like when you're screwing up, they'll give you, like, one night in jail. So mm-hmm. you'll, like, spend a night in there and get out the next morning. So, like, okay, if you keep screwing up, like, this is what's going to happen to you. And they don't give you a choice. Eventually, they put you in jail with a no-bond hold and only let you out to go to treatment. So mm-hmm. it took a couple times of that happening to realizing that, you know, I can't beat this. And until I surrender, and it's like, okay, I don't know. Because I'm one of those people that thought like my successes and money and all this stuff like made up for me being an addict like right. long as i could do art and have women and sell stuff i was cool but really i wasn't i had to had to be sober first and put that recovery first to keep these other things mm. i'm glad you you, you segue perfectly for me because when i said fast forward and rewind i was gonna say that then rewind back when you were addicted and you were in that lifestyle you're still an artist you're still in this realm, like a lot of people get caught up in that and then that's where their source of creativity comes from. Mm-hmm. And so they just keep it up. Like, oh man, like the drug is giving me powers. Yeah. Like, did you feel that way? At any point? Yeah, that was the hardest part of it was like, I'm not going to be creative. I'm not going to be dope unless I'm high. Like I can't create unless I'm high. Wow. They got those arguments of like, would the Beatles made Lucy in the sky with diamonds if they weren't on LSD? Would Edgar Allan right. Poe Martin have Gay. wrote the Raven if he, you know, wasn't in crazy manic depression, if, you know, the sick jazz artists of the 70s, would they have, you know, been that sick if they weren't addicted to heroin? Right. 
That's what made me think of it because uh, I was listening to Marvin Gaye, and then um, I was just thinking, man, like they were really, really high back then. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what I mean? Like, and, and even now, like we got all these artists and stuff, and you can hear the difference between the sober Eminem and the Eminem on pills. You know what I mean? So. And I don't really like the sober Eminem. Like, I don't like his recent I, stuff. See, I, I, didn't, I didn't want to be the one to say that. But, like, you want to see people do better. And so I, I couldn't imagine just as a creative, you feel like it's like Popeye taking the spinach away. Yeah. Even though the spinach is killing you. You know what I mean? Kids, drugs aren't spinach. No, yeah. Drugs, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't get either one of them. But, uh, yeah, man, so how'd you, how'd you eventually just get past that life and become what you are right now? Um, I mean, I had to throw my balls over my shoulder and was just like, you know, I'm going to create no matter if I'm high or not. I got to, you know, I'm going to push myself and see what happens. I might, I literally, that was the scariest fact is I might have to hang my hat up as an artist if I can't do that. And, and to really overcome that and create a couple dope pieces sober and like, okay, you know, I just have to get myself, it was a little harder to get in that creative mindset. I couldn't just smoke a blunt and then I'm creative. I had to, you know really put my mind that's when music came along to really help me get into that uh you know genre of thinking what no and and even um and even like we were talking about before like you were you were very successful um you, you know going through this is there is there a difference between well I, I guess there is but is there i guess what would be the difference between using drugs recreationally versus having an addiction like to you what's the difference between oh i'm i'm just going to do this just so i can you know get inspired or i'm going to do this just so i can you know get through the day versus you know now i can't function at all without it like what what's the difference to you or what was that that difference for you that's kind of when it turns into a disease is when you can't stop you got the people that can go out to the club on the weekend have a couple drinks and then you know hang their hat up till the next weekend and then you got your alcoholics that you know they're drinking every single day and they got to drink in the morning so they don't have the shake so they can go to work and stuff like that it's when you become powerless to the disease of addiction mm. Now, what about uh, what about the war on drugs? I, I think we've seen there, there's so many different perspectives of it. We we see that the the war on drugs it's it it's under the premise of you know stopping people from selling drugs, stopping people from using drugs. Mm-hmm. But we're we're seeing the adverse effects of people getting locked up, of there being extremely long minimum sentencings. So I guess what what would be your take on on the war of, on drugs? Do you think that it's effective? Do you think is is there a better way that that the the justice system can approach it? Um, well, recovery court and drug courts were one of the first steps um, in Arapahoe County. It's called the problem solving court. So they have veterans court and they have mental health court and then they have drug court. So, you know, these veterans that come back from the war after serving our country that just, you know, they're addicted to drugs too, or they commit crime. Like it helps them instead of going to prison, it gives them a chance to recover. Um, so I mean, people just need treatment like those minimum mandatories they had back in the day for like, you know, crack convictions and cocaine like that just turned into a big revolving door of these people never got help. So they're they're starting to get more programs. Um, The the sentencing definitely have changed a little bit. But and CBD and the hemp initiatives that Obama put out really helped because CBD is helping so many people I actually take CBD instead of uh psychotropic medication Mm -hmm. um 
And just being able to take that and not have to take some big pharmaceutical drug has helped me out a lot. Um, seeing Canada and Mexico recently legalized recreational marijuana is a big step. But, I mean, we still have a long ways to go. Definitely. And that's interesting, too, because I've always said that, man, like, why put a drug addict in jail? Like, I mean, I get that it's a crime. I get that. But a person that needs help, why would you just put them in the system for punishment when this person clearly needs help? Right. Like, where's the, you know, the reform at? And I, I think you said it right there. What was the program called? Uh, it's the problem solving course, but there's yeah. the drug courts, the veterans court and the mental health court. But I mean, there's a flip side to that too, or people I was in this program with was like, you know what? I'm an addict. I always be an addict. So just send me to the joint, run my time. And then they go to the joint and like to see everyone would cry when that happened. Cause these dudes are pretty much saying, you know, what? I'm always going to be an addict. I'm never going to get clean. I'm always going to do dirt. So run it. Right. So there's those people out there too, that don't want to change. Mm. That's true. That's real. So how does it feel? How does it feel making art now? How does it feel gathering that inspiration sober? What is what is that like for you? Is it is it better? Is it is it easier? Is it your overall life in general? Just the experience of what you're doing now versus that feel. My my life's a lot better because I don't you know I can I make better decisions. I don't embarrass myself. I was I was telling you guys earlier when I was a national marketing director for one of the biggest marijuana conglomerates in the United States, like I was working with senators, had a huge office in the Lincoln the Skyrise downtown and I would embarrass myself because I'd be nodding out in front of these dudes and you know, mm. thought I was slick and I wasn't. So wow. now when I, you know, meet people and have prominent opportunities, I don't screw it up. So one opportunity builds to the other, builds to the other, and finally, you know, this hard work's paying off. Off, where before, you know, I would do I would do the hard work, but it would never pay off because second someone would meet me or they would hear my reputation or stuff like that, it would just you know kill all chances. So, um, just being in the right mind state allows you to make the, the next right decision, and you know, having a sense of integrity and having values, you know, um, it allows you to be who God truly wanted you to be. Right. Right. Let's talk about music for a sec. Hey, let's get into it. We got the Mac Miller. We got the X right here. Uh, rest in peace to them for sure. Um, seem to be heavily inspired by not just them, but just hip hop in general. Yeah. Um, you said you're a big Travis Scott fan. So now with this whole quote unquote opioid uh, epidemic going on yep. and just all these artists out here rapping about popping pills and sipping lean and just it's the way right now to mm-hmm. be high and on drugs. How you feel about that as someone that was actually in that life? I mean, I, I can relate to a lot of those music. Juice World is one of my favorite, you know, rappers out there. And uh, his album that he put out recently, you know, is literally, I was, I was listening to the I Am Dante review of it. And every single song on his album is rapping about drugs or being depressed or something. And, and same with Little Peep and those dudes. And um, I relate to that and just there's something about, you know, I mean, everyone's hurting. No one can ever admit that they just have a perfect, happy life all the time. So like when people like X talked about depression, and you know, having nightmares and stuff like that, like you could really relate to it. So, um, I mean, that music's very relatable to me. And then, you know, music like Travis Scott, that's more like a vibe. Well, Travis Scott raps about drugs, too, but music that's more like a vibe like i i don't know i'm just as an artistic individual i can just vibe to you know rock electronic rap just i you gotta you can appreciate music a lot more when you have artistic mind where i just feel like 
on the flip side too, as a consumer, it's like a thin line between speaking your truth and then promoting. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And that, like that new Juice World album that came out with Future, the world is on drugs. Like, what are you I doing, I did, bro? I didn't listen to it because of the artwork. Like, what are you doing, bro? Like, you're yeah. these little kids that, like, you know, we're right next to DU. We see these dudes on the campus. Like, you're making it seem cool to be on Zans and That's be on Lean and making this young, you know, young generation of junkies. And, like, I grew up on a lot of Bay Area rap, and, like, a lot of the rappers that were junkies back then are washed out now. They're not around anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, it's it's not something that, you know, is glamorous. Yeah, man. Like, like I said, I didn't listen to that album because of the artwork, and just I don't even know what they were talking about. But I was just like, this is the opposite of what yeah. we're supposed to be doing, and I just can't. And I may be wrong because, like I said, I've never had to experience addiction, mm-hmm. but I can't grasp the fact that this whole generation is going through that. Like, there's a lot of depressed kids. There's a lot of mental health issues. There's a lot of people on opioids. But your average twelve year old in some suburban area just living a regular life that listens to hip-hop because it's cool might not never know what a damn percocet or zanny is Mm. if future's not rapping about that shit every every song so it's kind of like is it art imitating life or is it life imitating art so it's kind of hard for me to separate certain artists like when i hear x and mac it's like all right these dudes are clearly going through something yeah Mm -hmm. versus when i hear future it's like dog you're selling me drugs right yeah (laughs) So it's tough. And, and my X piece was a big eye opener because uh, I have these smaller prints that are twenty dollars, so they're much more affordable. So like I did the uh, the Denver County Fair at the National Western Complex, and you have a lot of families running around there. And the biggest buyer of my X pieces are young, like six, seven year old kids that are dragging their parents over to buy them. Mm-hmm. And you're like, you really think like, what are these musicians putting out to these young kids? Cause like you, you really think it's cool. A lot of rappers I know started drinking lean at like 12, 13 years old in the Bay. Cause it was cool. Yeah. Know? That's what I'm saying. Like we gotta, we kind of gotta take that too as, as hip hop consumers and creators. It's like, all right, this may be the situation, but not everybody knows what's real. Like my son likes a uh, little pump and, all them littles, basically. Yep. And, he <laughs> and he don't know what. Like, he'll rap every word, but he don't know what these dudes are talking about. Yeah. So it's like, damn, now y'all just introduce him to a whole nother world, which, again, goes back to parenting, too. But it's like, I know how I was influenced by hip-hop. Yeah. And if N.W.A. made me want to sell crack, <laughs> then this artist probably makes you want to take it. Like, so it's just, it's, it's tough, man. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I feel probably the worst because just growing up, we all made that commitment to dare, to the dare lion. <laughs> yeah. and, I, and I feel like it, at some point in our life, like, we all just, whether it was we, we let dare down, like, we, we let that lion down. And I'm like, man. I don't think I ever made that commitment. <laughs> no, I, did, I definitely did. I was like, man, I, I, I made the commitment to stay off drugs and alcohol. And- oh, man. But we say that to say we're happy you're still with us, bro. You're excelling. Let's talk a little bit more about what you do. Um, you'll be working with DIA. Yeah. Major. Yeah. Let's talk about that. How did that come about? Um, at the so the Taste of Colorado this year was my biggest show to date. They cost it costs a lot of money to do the Taste of Colorado. Just the booth alone is a is a thousand dollars and then you got everything else you have to invest into it. So it was it was my biggest investment, but it was also my biggest uh highest selling show ever. Um, we did close to uh, 10,000 in three days with 60,000 people there. And then wow. like we were talking about hard work 
paying off and how good it feels like i was so burnt out and tired by the rest of that by the end of that show like god bless my family i run a you know my business is run by my family by my woman and my brother and 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 certain friends and like i was so burnt out at that show they ran it for me and so the next day after the taste of colorado i get a call like hey bro you're on the front of the denver post and so we had at the taste of colorado they had everclear smash mouth a bunch of huge bands from like the mid 2000s headlining it and it was like had the pit had this uh indian headdress on the cover and someone looking at it and it said the art of matt oxker and the music stylings of everclear smash mouth and blah blah blah, blah. so that was really cool but i got a so back to dia i got a uh, email about a month ago about hey man uh my mom runs the uh the retail for dia she's the vice president of the uh, real estate company and she i think your art would do really great at dia mm. so they made the connection and you know it it i it's it's a very 1.4 million people go through dia a week so if i can do close to 10 grand in three days at taste of colorado like what can i do at da the possibilities are endless but you know i I recently come up to a roadblock in that um so we went to go sign the contract and this space is nine thousand dollars for one of the buildings in dia it's nine thousand dollars for one of the buildings on the concourse Mm-hmm. She really told originally told us five to six grand, and mm. so I went to go sign. She's like, "No, it's nine. That's for a kiosk." Mm. And then she was like, "I was like, you know what? Nine? That's just too much. That doesn't make sense for me, you know." So told her no, and then she just kept hitting me up like, "Hey, you should m- tell me what you can do, you know." And I, I countered off her a little less than half that, and she's like, "All right, well, we want your art in there, so we we'll take that." So oh, went nice. to go went to go get it get set up this week, and you have to get an FBI background check to get a badge for dia Mm. and my criminal justice stuff is going to hinder me getting a badge um which you know like don't matter that it's been seven years since i've been in trouble with law enforcement like right to this day it's gonna haunt me and it's gonna haunt me for the rest of life and i one of my felonies is for weed weed is legal now and i'm so i'm i'm countering it i'm trying but it's the fbi bro what are you gonna say to the fbi right right so we're trying to we're trying to work around it, but I'm not going to drop stacks into a you know business that I can't even go to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I'm so we're trying to work around it. Whether I'm painting live in a different part of the airport, and you know I could direct people to that place. Um, we're we're still trying to make it work because it's just a huge opportunity. Someone like me don't get those opportunities this early in life. Right. Mm. Ooh, so if you so if if and when you do get commissioned for to do artwork there. Have they told you what kind of art to to put there, or are they giving you the just the the open platform? Oh, they're to- just they're offering me the space to open up a building like this. So it's just literally it's going to be a vibe, bro. That was the whole concept is just have a bunch of art. I would paint live on the weekends. We'd have DJs there. Um, you get free shipping. So you're flying through. You're walking through the concourse to get on your flight. You fall in love with a piece of art. We'll ship it to you for free. Oh, right. So it was just a straight gallery. And you know, we I was very blessed with this location. Um, one of my best friends owns this line of vape shops, Centennial Vapor, and this was uh, the Denver skate shop. It was a really famous skate shop, and they closed down. It was two buildings, and he knocked out the wall and was like, Matt, I want to you know, help you succeed in life, and I'm mm-hmm. going to give you this space for free, and I'm not going to take any money out of the sales. Wow, nice. Um, so, I mean, just working hard, I've, I've been blessed with opportunities like that. Um, so, yeah, I've been lucky. Mm. As an artist, how do you feel about the artwork and the murals in DIA? 
They're mm, weird. Illuminati shit. Yeah, they're weird. <laughs> I made a joke when I made the announcing the DIA thing. Someone's like, well, how can I vote for you? Like, how can I help you get this? And I was like, no, bro, I had to talk to the Illuminati to get it to happen. But no, nah, they're, 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 they're very weird and they're very strange with all the uh, DIA conspiracies already to have that artwork in there. It's just like, bro, this is, this is some weird stuff. Yeah. Um, but... I mean, that's, and that's something too, is like people touch on Denver art and they just think it's murals. They see like Gamma and IMD tour and they just see these beautiful murals everywhere. They don't really get into the type of art that I do, you know, but I mean, you know, that mural is eventually going to get painted over there. It's going to be up for so long and then it's going to be gone forever. There might be pictures of it, but like my art is, I, this year we've sold over 600 pieces of art sitting in people's homes just with credit card sales. I don't know including cash but just knowing that i have that met that art inspires when it's in someone's house it kind of yeah. helps you it inspires it puts you in that creative mind state it it does so many things so like opens up conversation yeah yes yes so yeah. I'm, I'm happy i found my lane what do you think is the the message that you want to convey with your art so when people do take it home or when people do uh come in a space like this and see it what is it that you want them to take away when they when they view it um just that you know life is beautiful man that you know life is dope like the uh there's i I do a lot of day of the dead women because the 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 culture behind day of the dead of uh honoring our ancestors and being you know dead on the outside but you know alive on the inside that's definitely played in the concepts but like the the when i was talking about the girls on the runway that can have the urban style and flavor to them but but still be beautiful like you know that that's been my life has been beautiful chaos so like you know i i I don't try to promote the drug culture in my artwork. I'll, you know, I'll do cannabis stuff. I do design for the Westward every week and I'll, I'll do some weed art, but mm -hmm. you don't see me promoting drugs or any, you know, negative stuff. I'll, I, I, there's one piece I had that had a girl with a crown on looking above the Denver skyline and she had like pistols holed up. Um, but that's about as close as I got to, you know, derogatory, um, artwork. Well, let's talk graphic design real quick. Hey, let's have that conversation. Okay. <laughs> graphic design life. Stressful as shit, right? Yeah. <laughs> what type of work do you not like to do? I mean, I just don't like to deal with asshole clients, man. Like, you know, they're always going to lowball you. You're always going to hit the person up that thinks you should do it for free for them. The worst people I don't like to deal with are the people that want you to design for clout or promotion. You know, when I started out, it would like, be a good look. Yeah, I was like, oh, dude, okay, yeah, sure. And then, like, I started working my way up, and I was just like, nah, like, that's. You got, if you respect someone's art, you're going to be willing to pay for it, period. Right. Do you feel like you're at a point now where people kind of just know not to come with the bullshit? No, nah, especially, you know, you'll, especially these women, like, you know, just because they're bad, they're like, oh, you do a photo shoot for me for free and blah, blah. like, nah, nah. Draw my picture. Yeah. Draw my picture. No, I ain't doing it. Oh, shit, man. Shit. What else you want to get off your chest, bro? Yeah, I was gonna say yeah. So, so you got the uh, DIA coming up. What else? What else can we uh, expect from you, Matt? What other projects, artwork, galleries, showings? Um, you know, I'm just trying to make this national move. People think it's cool to like stay in your city for your whole life, and it's really not. Like, you need to branch out from your city, and you Message. know, I, Denver is always going to be my home base. I'm always going to live in Colorado, but like, 
we're going to start expanding uh to the west coast um you know one of my one of one thing i believe highly in life is to have mentors have people that have something you want and have mm-hmm. multiples of them i have five different mentors i have a mentor just for women he's like he's a really famous photographer and he's single and he's fat and he's like 60 he's like matt don't you have a good woman don't play her you're gonna be 60 year old and fat like me and no one's gonna want to talk to you and you know so i have different mentors so one of my mentors uh is is very wealthy and he's uh trying to help me make the right moves financially to get my art on the west coast so um you know stealing a play for music um you know you don't have many artists that do art tours you have your musicians that'll get in a van and drive across the country and stop at different spots but you don't have artists that think that way and that's what's really has set my career apart is i don't work like the traditional artist um so I'm I'm gonna do a tour on the West Coast, uh, starting in California and making my way up to Seattle and Portland, and uh, you know I'm just just gonna keep moving, man. I, I've I've saturated the Denver market enough to where I need to expand. Nice, uh-huh. nice. And on your travels, on your tours, spreading the art, um, I would assume that you also spread the message of sobriety, or is that something that you want to kind of put out there, or do you kind of just let that be? I mean, I let it it be. If someone's going to ask me, they're going to ask me, and I'll let them know what it is. But I'm not one of them preacher dudes. You know, you're going to do what you're going to do. And that's that was part of my progression and my story was that I had to be addicted to drugs to get to where I'm at today. And did that have a play in my life and the urbanism in my art and everything like that? Like, yeah, it did. But, you know, I ain't going to hate on anyone for what they do. Right, right. Mm. One last question. One piece of advice, knowledge, love you would share with the world, what would that be? Um, you gotta feed, you gotta find what feeds your soul in life. Um, a lot of people that were in addiction don't make it out because they'll get sober and they're like, what's next? Next, I'm gonna flip the rest of my life and work at Walmart. Like, nah, like you gotta find what feeds your soul, whether you're an addict or just a normal person. Even if you're not that good at it, like I have some friends that aren't that good at music, but they do it because it makes them happy. And you gotta find what makes you happy. And if, if you're good at it, that's awesome, you know, that's, that's blessings. But you gotta, you gotta find what feeds your soul whether it's cars you know women money art fashion like i i work with uh culture street work with lawrence and andy these dudes yeah. that have this culture, culture street, street store yeah shut out and you know they've they put my art in there and they've really embraced me and there's a whole bunch of dudes in there that are passionate about what they do in there and to to be a part of that and to you know to see them doing their thing is a really beautiful thing and that's something priceless you can't buy that type of feeling you know to just Feed your soul, set your soul on fire. So find what you do and do it fearlessly. Doesn't matter what anyone thinks. As far as as far as uh, social media, how can people connect with you? How can they follow you? And also, where can they purchase your artwork from? Yeah, so uh, the store here is at Evans University. The address is twenty three twenty three East Evans it's in the Centennial Vapor Building. Um, online, I do. I mean, you know. Social media is hard these days because they have the new algorithms that kill your yep. reach unless you... So I have my personal page, Matt Oxiger. My last name is spelled A-C-H-Z-I-G-E-R. And then I have my Instagram, at Oxiger, my last name, Design. And my website that has the online store is OxigerDesign.com. But, you know, the next... I'm, I'm doing the Black Party at Temple, you know, hey, nice. um, with PMG. So I'm, I'm going to be doing that. But there's, you know, there's going to be a lot of shows. So just, you know, where, where dope stuff is in Denver, just look for me. All straight right. up, straight up, man. Let's That's make right. some noise for our man, Matt Oxenor. Hey, hey, hey. Before we get up out of here. Let's do our plugs real quick. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, Lifeisdope.shop. Hey, 
get you some gear. If you want some fancy duds. Some duds. <laughs> <laughs> we got duds. Yeah, we'll man. go get you some duds. Get but check this out, though. This was episode 99 hey. of the Life is Dope podcast. Straight up. Which means we have episode 100 yeah. coming the fuck up. Man, what are we doing for episode 100? What are we going to do for episode 100? I think we have something special planned. We definitely got something special fan, uh, planned. Should we just let the listeners give us ideas of what we should do so we can pretend like we're going to do it and do what we already have planned anyway? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Listen, yeah. Listeners at home, tell us what you want us to do. Yeah. What, do you, what do you want to see for the 100th episode? I mean, you've been sticking with us for 100 damn episodes. That's a long time, bro. It is. And that's like 100 published because we probably passed 100 a few times Yeah, we <laughs> with all the shit that y'all haven't heard. Um, <laughs> we're going to do a recap show. That's, that's what we're doing. Yeah, that's what. Oh, that'd be good. That's what. That's what. That's what Julius is doing. Shout out to producer Julius. You can find that on producer on at producer Julius. It's just him recapping the shit. That would be good. We should do. We should do a recap and talk about like behind the scenes. I don't know, man. We shall see. Episode one hundred coming up. What else is coming up, man? We got um, the holiday party coming up. Yeah, follow us at Life is Dope on Instagram. That's all we got. Yeah, I, I think that's about it. Life is Dope Podcast. I'm Graffiti. And I'm Davey. We out. This is a Sprite, and it tastes exactly like it sounds. That first hit of cool, crisp refreshment on your tongue, followed by that familiar chorus we all know by heart. Sprite, thirst for yours. This is the sound of regular water droplets. This is the sound of vitamin water droplets. Regular water, vitamin water. Regular water, vitamin water. Hey, come on now. Vitamin water. It has vitamins, but also parties. Copyright 2020, Glasso.